Welcome to the PTSD Chat Podcast. Hi, everyone. This is Tim Grutius, and I'm joined by uh, David Ortiz. And this is our reboot of the PTSD chat podcast. Uh, it's been a while since we've done it, and we thought we would bring it back to you again with uh, more new content uh, as we go along and do these things. So tonight's topic is going to be about managing expe- expectations in the military. And I'm going to turn it over to Dave. Uh, who's had uh, a few more years than I did in the military. So he could probably bring a little bit more uh, understanding to this conversation about those expectations. I can speak from uh, the fire service side. So Dave, take it away. All right. Thanks. Uh, thanks for being here. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be here tonight. Um, and, you know, uh, what we're going to be talking about tonight is uh, managing expectations something that uh, I speak to in different, you know, ways for uh, service members, uh, just trying to get them to reassess, you know, their, their military careers. Uh, sometimes when we get into this conversation, it gives them a better understanding of, you know, what those initial expectations were when they got into the service and, how it ended, you know, and, and it's one of those things, you know, military careers are, are, uh, very unpredictable. You know, there's people that go in, uh, you know, I remember the bus ride, you know, as, as I went through to basic training and, and there was these guys, um, you know, uh, trying to get to, to the, you know, we're, we're trying to get to basic training and they're talking all this, you know, they're, 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 obviously excited about the experience they're, they're heading into. And, you know, I was, I was quiet, you know, obviously anxious. And most of these guys, when they got there, they like, they flamed out real quick. Like their expectations were to, you know, and I, and I remember hearing them on the bus, like, you know, how excited they were uh, about the experience, but sadly they didn't make it past the initial screening that we had the first week before we even got to basic training uh, because of different situations. Some of them were emotional, some were social, some were, you know, medical. And, you know, that's, that's how uh, frail or, or, you know, the military career could go that quick. So I think managing those expectations or at least reevaluating or reassessing those expectations that we set on ourselves helps us to manage all that that resentment that we have probably with the system because the system sometimes can be you know it it, it has a, a a dark side to it you know there's people like i said you know they've they've left before because of physical injuries and you know this they weren't counting on that you know when you're when you're in that uh 
maps, you know, the military en entrance uh, processing station. You're not thinking about, oh, yeah, you know, hopefully I could get injured in the first two years and I'm out. No, you're thinking about a long career. And, you know, that's how that's how I, at least I, I try to help veterans uh, and service members with that. And for me, it's, it's one of those tools that have been very helpful. So, like I said, you know, the downside of having expectations is we live in the future. You know, again, going to those guys, you know, I'm pretty sure they went too far ahead in their, in their military careers of what they wanted to do. You know, the, the type of jobs they wanted to do, you know, the places that they wanted to, uh, to, to visit. But they were not living in the now. I was taking it day by day. I was, I was, you know, writing letters home. <laughs> every day I miss my family. So I was taking everything day by day. And I, and I was actually grounded at that time. Uh, I'll, I'll head it over to you, you know, throw the ball to you. You know, what were your initial expectations once you got into the military? Okay, the military. Well, I think it was, you know, I expected that I was going to do a long career, maybe a 20 plus year career in the military. And then when I started seeing how families were being separated because of non-dependent tours, such as Korea, or they had one sergeant was going to go to, he had to go to Germany. He re-upped, that was his next duty station, but he couldn't bring his family for at least a year. And there were other things too that, you know, it started making me think, you know what, I don't, I wouldn't want to put somebody through this. And my expectation is I was kind of like you. It was really when he got into basic training, it was day to day survival. When you got somebody yelling at you 24, 7, 365 while you're, while you're there. But what it was, what it offered for me in basic and advanced training was it was a lot of structure. Then I get assigned to Fort Irwin, National Training Center just outside of Barstow, California. And you go into, we'll just call it the real, the real world of the military. And you saw that there was just as if you were in the right, you were a civilian where there's a lot, there's dysfunction in different types of workplaces, you know, not only personality conflicts, but, you know, people getting in trouble, they have their own personal issues that they brought to the workplace and affected mm -hmm. them. No different in the military. Uh, and I remember sitting down because there, there were a lot of people, they, they get in there and they half stepped it. They didn't do their job, what they were supposed to do. Always getting article 15s, getting in trouble type of things. And I remember sitting down with a, a corporal when we were doing uh, just staff duty. And I said to him, I go, why is you know, it, it's, it, why does it seem so screwed up here when, you know, it wasn't like that when I was in, you know, my training phase. And he said, that's because privates were doing what privates supposed to do. Sergeants, what they're supposed to do. And your officers were doing what they're supposed to do. Now you get out here, you're let loose. You're given a, a lot more freedom, you know, cause once you did your job for the day, you know, it might've been nine to five. I mean, we're, we'd be up earlier than that for PT, but sometimes we just start at 9 a.m. when there was non-PT dates and you go home, people are going out, they're getting arrested. You know, they're, they're losing their money. They're going to Vegas, gambling it away, <laughs> not gambling yeah. it away within the first weekend that they had their check. And then they're begging, begging, borrowing and trying to get, you know, 
get you to give them a loan so they can make their car payment or this or that or the other type of thing. So it, it was kind of confusing for me for a while, but then once I got rooted in, made friends there and I just, you know, you did your job, you started learning, it, it, it became okay for me, but it was really those other things like being separated from your family. If you had to be in it, it would just, you know, I started moving and got my EMT certification. I thought, you know what, that's where I want to be outside the outside world, being a firefighter, paramedic, things like that. Yeah. Um, and, and I think you hit on the nail when you said, you know, reality sets in, you know, like the classic line expectation versus reality. And that's what it is, right? You know, we have so many expectations, especially if we haven't gone through these processes before, uh, you know, once we get there, because our minds tend to, you know, make a whole scene of, of the situation, especially if we're influenced by what we see on TV or, or what we hear from other people. And our experiences are very individual. My experience is not the same as, you know, people that got in at the same time, because, you know, for me, I was I was uh, fairly, you know, older than the guys that I, you know, that that were recruited at the same time. I was 31 at that at that time. I had kids already that my my oldest son, I think uh, he was 10 years old or close to being 10 years old at that time. So it was, you know, a different situation for me than it was for other guys. There were, there were guys that were going there for, you know, they were going to be lifers or, you know, active duty. I was going to be there in the reserve. So, you know, our, our expectations and the reality of the situation uh, was, was very different, you know, from the get-go. Um, one of the things that I wanted to, you know, like, talking especially about the reality is the added uh, personal pressure that we put on, you know, because we want to, at least in the military, you know, we want to make rank and, and we put, we put such a high value on, you know, on where we want to get, you know, and, and sometimes we fall short of those goals. Um, Are there any uh, goals that you, you know, you probably, uh, wish you would have gotten along in, in your, either in your military career or in, you know, uh, in your civilian career afterwards. As far as military career, once I made the decision that I was not going to make it a career, I did what I had. I took, I went before the promotion board and became a spec four promotable, but that's where I ended up stopping was right there. They didn't send me to PLDC because, mm-hmm. It was at that time, it was 1992. So it was, it was actually in the fall of 91 that they were doing the drawdown early out type of thing because I originally signed it for four years, but I was out a little bit earlier because after the Gulf War, we have to now we got to make a little bit of budget cuts and things like that. So my MOS, which was unit supply, unit armor, it allowed me to get out a little bit earlier I had already had my EMT. I knew when I was going home that I was going to be able to get a job with a private ambulance company. So then after that, I'm going to go, I want to go to paramedic school, things like that. And I think part of what influenced me was hanging around with the, the army medics, you know, at their aid station, things like that. And I'm like, you know, this is stuff I want to do for a little bit of time. I was part of a volunteer, soldier volunteer, 
fire department, they had contract, federal contracted employees who were the full-time firefighters there. And then they just augmented that with us. So, you know, once I started getting involved with that, I was like, this is where I really want to be. Awesome. Uh, you know, and then managing the, you know, those expectations or that downside where you build, you build it up in your mind. It happened to be to me as well in the fire service where my influence was the TV show emergency was back on from 1972 to 77. And, you know, I was like, you know, this, this would be something I want to do. And then it took a long time to get there. Cause you know, I got a degree in criminal justice. I was going to go into law enforcement, but my journey took it the way it took it. Fire service, you know, they were rank and file firefighters always having to do their job, get inspected, things like that. That's what I thought going into the, you know, the fire service. And it wasn't that way. It was the same thing like the military. You had people that you go through a fire academy, they, they make it through, but then they don't do their job. They're half stepping it. In, in a job that requires a lot of responsibility, mm-hmm. not only in the military, because you're, you may be asked to defend the nation and as well as you got to be responsible for the guy that's next to you in that foxhole following orders, things like that. Fire service, you got guys that, eh, as they used to call them, one of the guys I worked with at one time, he said, these are the guys that are supine by nine. They go and check their vehicle by 9 a.m., they're laying in a chair and that, you know, you lose that expectation. Yeah. And it, it kind of brought, it brought me down for quite a bit of time. Uh, my goal there eventually was, and I didn't think about it first, but to become a Lieutenant and then I was encouraged. And once I did that, I was good there. I did not want to be a, a chief officer or chief probably because I was used to it being that shift work 24 on 48 off when you're, when you're chief, you're there nine to five, you're, you're there five days a week. And I remember when I was offered an opportunity to become a deputy, I came home and said something to my wife, she, we were eating and she put her fork down and she looks at me and she goes, that means you'd be home every day. And I go, (laughs) yep. She goes, Oh no, buddy. She even (laughs) got you. She got used to that where I was going, that was funny. Oh no, buddy. She said, if it's later in your career, I would support that, but not right now. And I respected that. And, you know, once I saw what it entailed to be chief, I was like, no, I don't want to do that. I'm good right there. Yeah. Um, And, and you said something that, you know, when, when you were saying it, I, 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 you know, a lot of people kind of throw their own expectations on us, you know, um, especially within, you know, the, the organizations that we work for. And in the in the military, it happens a lot. You know, people expect you to make the next rank or the next, you know, go to the next position or take the next, you know, advancement and whatnot. And basically, they're throwing their their own expect expectations on you. You know, I had the opportunity to be uh, be in a, a detachment sergeant for a while, a small group, maybe eight to ten soldiers, and. The first thing I did, even though I knew them, I didn't know their situations. You know, what what were the real situations that they had going on? So I probably for that that weekend, I sat down with each one of them and and asked them, you know, what their personal expectations were, you know, within the military and in their civilian careers. And 
that gave me a better understanding of how to, you know, how to help them out. Um, if they had any situations going on, you know, I was a little more, you know, they, they had at least told me beforehand, you know, I have this situation going on, like going to school or I'm taking care of, you know, I'm the only caretaker of my, you know, of my parent. Uh, and, you know, they had other ones that already were going on a medical, you know, evaluation board and they were just waiting for their orders to finish the military. Uh, others, you know, they didn't want to, they, they, they didn't feel the need to move up to the next rank because they didn't want that added responsibility that sometimes come with, uh, you know, that rank. And, and, and I was fine with that, you know, as, as long as they were honest with me, I was fine with that. Um, and I think that, you know, it helped me understand where they were coming from and we built, uh, you know, good relationships to this day. I still talk to some of them that already, uh, have left the military and I, I sent a message to one of them a couple of days ago to see how he was doing. He's, uh, he's actually fishing now. Uh, so that's his re recreational, uh, you know, hobby. So, you know, it's one of those things that uh, I got a better understanding and we were on the same page. And the only thing I asked of them is, you know, hey, you know, when we need to do something, I just need you to be there. Absolutely. And that, that was the same thing with me just in the fire service that you just try to be a good. I learned that you have to be a good mentor with people because everybody's going to come to no matter whether in the military, civilian life. Uh, fire service, police service, everybody's got stuff and they're going to bring it with them. And that mm -hmm. could be stuff that they started with from the day they were born, whatever they were exposed to, whatever their family experience was. You bring that with you into these higher stress occupations. And I always, you know, I, when I let my last day in the fire service, I told everybody, you know, everybody's got stuff and, the idea is when they, when these new people come in, you're not going to be friends with everybody, especially when it's different generations, but at least observe them to be what's their apparent normal. And then when you start seeing them act outside that, then you might want to sit down and say, Hey, come here, my friend, sit down and tell me a story. And you never know where that's going to go. They may not mm -hmm. tell you their deepest, deepest, darkest, issues, whether it be mental health issues, financial, they may not tell you that right away, but you never know where that conversation is going to lead to. So, you know, be kind to each other, you know, and just move forward. And even if you're not going to be friends with them, you got 24 hours that you're going to spend with them. So make the most of it. Yeah. Um, I mean, that helps out a lot, you know, having those conversations, just being honest, um, there's so many ways that conversation can go, you know, that conversation, you could think it's a very casual conversation and it turns out to be, you know, meaningful both for you and both for the person, you know, that's actually, uh, confiding in you. And at, at that moment, you know, probably they were waiting for that opportunity to, you know, to talk to you because they have some questions and they didn't know, you know, who to reach out to. And, and maybe, you know, that approach actually, uh, uh, you know, helped them out, you know, at that, at that point of their careers. Um, now you said in your last, you know, your last moment, you know, when, once you were about to retire, um, 
what were your expectations going on then? Because, you know, sometimes we see retirement as a ceremony, but it's, it's more a process than a ceremony. So I'm not, I'm not there yet. So I want to ask you, you know, how Uh, you viewed it. Well, that, when I, when I gave that speech, that was my last day. They gave me a, uh, like a, a, there was a luncheon at the firehouse. Basically on my last day I go in, I don't do any work. I don't respond to calls. I just sit there and, you know, people are coming and going, whether it was uh, people that I used to work that used to be there or some of the police officers, they all came in and it was just, you know, just to say their goodbyes. My expectations for me is that I built it. Well, we'll have to go back to 2008 where I'm only there uh, 14 years and I'm sitting there one day I'm like, I don't have any other skills outside of this. What am I going to do? And happened to be watching a TV show and it was a, it was, it was a comedy, but one of the characters in there was an acupuncturist. So, you know, I started looking into that. Then it led me into holistic health. And I took, I got some education through the American college of healthcare sciences as a holistic health practitioner. And then that led me into having an opportunity to become a personal trainer. And that was through the fire department. And these awesome. are, these things just started laying themselves out. And I'm going to say as gifts as, you know, cause the chief said one day in a staff meeting, he said, you know, our workman's comp carrier is looking for people to become peer fitness trainers, which that was a whole different thing. That was only a 40 hour thing. And when I called, I went down, knocked on his door and I said, I'll do that. <laughs> and you know, it, one thing led to another, it was actually becoming a personal trainer. I ended up getting hired at a low on the campus of a local community college. And it was just by, you know, by happenstance that I did it where I was going to go, I was going to take like a business class at this, it's called Moraine Valley community college. And I saw on their website that they were opening up a new fitness facility. So I emailed the director and I said, Hey, you looking for, personal trainers. I'm a new one. He said, I'll connect you with this person. And then I talked to her and then it was a few months later, go ahead, put your application in. I got hired. I worked there for six years. My journey also took me into becoming a, because of the holistic health, I became a Reiki master practitioner. And I had all these things working for me and what I wanted to do. The only thing I did not accomplish in my time in Illinois was I I got a website for a business, but I never really got that going to be personal training, uh, health coaching and doing some Reiki work with clients. But I never got that totally up and running till, you know, and not even here. I haven't restarted that uh, whole uh, business structure yet, but I'm currently in a yoga teacher training and I want to focus on trauma-informed yoga. And then there's something called yin yoga, which is a lot more just relaxing for the nervous system. And then reach out to uh, military personnel and as well as uh, first responders. But I had that with me other than, other than the yoga training, which that came, that came, that came up just, I'm here, I'm like, huh. I want to do that. And that's what I'm doing. So <laughs> that, that, that's a, it's just how my journey took me. So when I left, I wasn't, I didn't have any anxiety about leaving the fire service. 
because once I left there, I was everything I did in my days off, I was still doing other than that every third day I was at the firehouse. So I never felt that we knew that we were going to be relocating down to North Carolina. So I put my energies into that as well. So that, you know, I didn't have usually some guys when they were leaving a fire service, they were, they had a lot of anxiety because they didn't know what they were going to do, but yeah. most people had some kind of a plan. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, to close it out, right. Uh, the conversation, you know, that's, that's one of the things that we, we have to, you know, re at least keep uh, present is that there is something that we're going to do afterwards, you know, our careers are done, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, if it's not a situation that, you know, takes us away from it, um, that we will, you know, have opportunities to continue to grow that probably the military or in your case, you know, the, you know, being a firefighter or EMT and, you know, and, and your own military career, that's not the final destination, you know, and we, and we fail to, uh, stay in the moment and, you know, we're, we're, we're always looking forward, but we fail to enjoy those moments and, and gain personal growth out of those situations, uh, that are actually going to lead us in, into the other ones. So, um, that being flexible, you know, and again, like we said, uh, view situations as opportunities to grow. Um, so, you know, I, I, I guess that wraps up at least from, uh, from this one. Um, Tim, if you have anything else you want to add before we go. Right. You know, again, managing your expectations when it comes to the end of a career, you want to hit, try to think, you know, you're talking 10, 12 years out, you know, wherever you feel your goal is, this is when I want to retire, have, try to have some plan that you want to do something. And some people, they're perfectly content. Like the one guy you're talking about, he's fishing. That's what he likes to do. And there, there were, there were several firefighters that did the same thing. They just move. They're not doing anything. But if you're somebody that's going to be a little bit more driven, especially when you're talking about first responder military yeah. type of stuff, those are, you're going to be retiring early. If you start early, you're going to be at a younger age. So you want to do something that's meaningful. And as I was told, once you retired, now you get to do what you want to do. Awesome. Amen. All right. All right. Um, well, close it out, Tim, if you want. So just want to thank Dave for being here. Him and I are going to be having conversations on a regular basis for this PTSD chat. And once we get this first one out to you, please uh, send us some comments, anything posted on either the Twitter page or onto the, the homepage for PTSD chat and let us know how we're doing and if there's any topics you'd like us to cover. So until then, take care and be well. Definitely. All right. Good night to everyone. Thanks for listening.
We'd like to thank you so much for listening to the PTSD Chat Podcast, and we hope that you join us in the future.